Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What are you doing? Oh! <laughs> Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas. Uh, the reason we're laughing is because Liam and I are in the same place recording the podcast for the first time. And it's uh, it's unusual. We're used to doing it over the phone because we don't live together except except when it's Christmas. That's not the cat in the bag now. You might have noticed from our accents, but um we're brothers. Big reveal, and we are coming to you straight after probably the finest 3 0 victory since the finest 3 0 victory of all time, which was the West Brom one. I was delighted at that. I thought, holy shit, Villa have just, they're, they're that team now who go out and hammer a team who aren't as good as them. Villa went out today again against a better team, a much better team than Crystal Palace, than West Brom. Uh, played Crystal Palace, went down to 10 men, hammered them, and won 3 0 again in the end. This is Aston Villa. This is, this is what we have to expect. They're fucking brilliant. And I, I don't know, I think we should just don't jump straight into Ollie Watkins because uh, I, I love that man. He didn't score again today, but I was so happy when he got mad of the match uh, on the BBC coverage, which we'll come back to. Um, and uh, Yeah, like it's just, it's just absolutely brilliant. Like yet again, I'm watching this game thinking he must have some sort of Irish relative it's just like when a team's against the wall it's like Ollie Watkins is perfect the way he holds the play up his strength his brain he never stops like he should have been absolutely fucked there he used to play a game though on Monday <laughs> but he didn't tire once and he was brilliant the whole way through he missed a couple of chances that he should have scored but I wanted to know I don't care Ollie now I know there's probably a couple of episodes that you can dig out where I'm complaining about Ollie Watkins not scoring goals but I don't care. He's brilliant. And what he's given Villa is way more than scoring goals every game. Yet again, Villa have won 3-0. And yet again, Ollie Watkins is probably the most important reason for that. If we take Jack Grealish out of it, obviously. 
Yeah, Ollie Watkins, you said there, he's exactly the type of player you want whenever your backs are against the wall. He's exactly the type of player that you want whenever you're front-footed as well. That's the great thing about him. He's just such an amazing all-rounder. He's an absolutely brilliant player with a brilliant performance tonight. Really, really important for all three goals. And really, really unlucky himself to not get two. To not get two. Like, the one I'm saying that he should have scored was the one that bounced up for him. I think Grealish played a three for him. And that's probably it, to be honest. Like, the, the header, maybe he could have scored that we ended up scoring from anyway. So it's not really like you care when you score from it. It doesn't matter when you score from it. The one he hit off the post of his left foot, brilliant ball from Grealish again. Like, that was brilliant from the two of them. Like, you know, you can you can see there's four Crystal Palace defenders, there's two Villa players, and just the way that the two of them just cross over, crisscross through their defence, just cut them open with one pass, one shot, hit the post, unlucky. Maybe he can get that inside the post. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was unlucky, but... You're right, like, he was important for all three goals. If if you have him on fantasy football, which I don't, I took him out of the fucking team. <laughs> um, he's got three assists there today because uh, the first shot is deflected out and Traore puts it away. And the second shot, he's headed off the bar. Generated a lot of power after an amazing touch and House is putting it away. And the second one, he's laid back for El Ghazi, who decided to shoot and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> turned around. Like, you know, yeah, what the fuck are you expecting? Like, I got a chance, I scored. Yeah, that was that was El Ghazi. Despite the fact that it was an utterly incredible goal, the best thing about it was the celebration. <laughs> he just turns to the empty stands and says, "I'm El Ghazi. <laughs> what were you expecting? <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable goal." Yeah, and like you know, John Terry's like sort of grabbing him afterwards, you know, trying to get him to celebrate more. And again, El Ghazi's just like, "Nah, like you know, this is this is what I do." But um. Like, yeah, and we talk about Watkins. I, again, we'll come back to him, but I just I want them to realise, and I hope, I'm sure he does, I'm sure he realises that what he's given Aston Villa, like, a lot of people probably read that interview in The Athletic today with uh, Samago, Samata. You know, <laughs> I'm sure people were pouring over that. <laughs> and it's so sad that they're just still harping back. Like, this man was there from January to July, I think that's when the season ended. And they're just harping back to the goal he scored at Wembley. <laughs> Do you know, we didn't even win that much. It's yeah. a good goal. It was a good header. If he doesn't score, we're raging at him. And like that's the only memory we have of Samata, apart from all the bad memories. Yeah. It's the only good memory. But like Watkins, without scoring, is just doing so much. I mean, Watkins' first game, we were really excited. And, it, and I was worried that maybe it was to do with the fact that it was just, you know, such so clearly a step up from Sam's goal. But <laughs> it was actually, we can tell now that Watkins is a top, top quality player. Yeah. We suspected at the time, because he's got everything, his movement, his touch, his finishing ability. He's just a class act. And there's yeah. very few centre-forwards like that knocking around. And I can't believe or look that we got him unopposed. I did have a thought, and I haven't um, vocalised it before. So let's let's do it right now. Ollie Watkins is good enough to play for England. Ah, yeah, he's definitely good enough to play for England. His only problem is that Harry Kane's probably the best him and Robert Lewandowski are the two best number nines in the world, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, who's he up against behind him? Dominic Calvert-Lewin, definitely as good as him. A different type of player. Yeah. Definitely better than Tammy Abraham. And who else is there? Danny Ings. He's better than Danny Ings. Who's only 28? He's missed a lot of football. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you had told me he was 23 as well, like that's the amount of games he's played. No, I just mean, I need to stop judging people on how they look, but it's just, you know... Come on, Danny! You're you're a professional athlete. You're 28, and you look like this. I thought like he was doing well for a 33 year old. <laughs> I think he looks he looks like a 28 year old when he's running on behind the fences. Yeah, he's right. tearing Villa apart and burying yeah. balls in the top corner. I, it's like um, I, I don't again. It's not 
I'm not saying that Dominic Calvert-Loon shouldn't be in the England squad. He should be. I would be picking him at the minute. I just mean, it's sort of like the Matty Cash thing. It's like Watkins would be good enough if he was in the England squad. Matty Cash would be good enough as well, but I'm not going to cry about it. There's a lot of options. If I if I was the England manager, I would be looking at Ollie Watkins to bring him into the squad. Not in place of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I would still have him there as well. But if you don't want to have to change your system because one of your players is injured, then Ollie Watkins can do what Harry Kane can do. Yeah. Ollie Watkins can play that same way so you don't have to tear up your whole system. Whenever we were talking about do you want to play Nakamba or do you want to play Conor Hurahan? And we said play Conor Hurahan because yeah. he can do what Dougie can do. He's just not as good as him. Yeah. So that's that's exactly why I think he should be in the England squad because he's a better option than Tammy Abraham to replace Harry Kane. Plus, think how amazing, like think how much he'll progress working under Gareth Southgate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Gareth Southgate are getting his ears and telling yeah. him he has to increase his output like he did the Jack Grealish. He'll have to score goals. <laughs> That'll be fucking amazing because I bet you Dean Smith hasn't even thought of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but once again, we're back to my one, two, three, four, five favourite words. A clear and obvious error. Um, we'll not go on too much about it because thankfully it didn't fucking matter. But um, yeah, the, the penalty, uh, well, the penalty incident that they're all talking about. We'll talk about that first before we get on to the Tyrone Ming stuff. But, you know, Matty Cash and who was it? It's a company Gilliam. Van Arnholt. Van Arnholt. Um, like, there should be a point where, and I'm not saying, like, I saw a lot of people, and it's not a bad suggestion where they're saying, if the referee can't decide in 15 seconds or VAR can't decide, then move on. There's, mm. there's some sense in that, but I'll, like, you can't have that for everything. But there has to be some sort of element amongst them when they're talking about it. And this is going on for so long. It's like, what... Are, what are we looking for now? Like, you know, this obviously isn't the big error that we thought it might have been. Like, wait, if I actually take error out of it, because obviously that's a balls up. It wasn't a clear and obvious error. But when they're talking about it for 30, 40, one minute, 30, 40 seconds, and they're they're still looking for anything, there has to be a realisation amongst them that, like, you know, we're, this this is this is just too much now. We have to just move on. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, they're, they're slowing the game down to a point where it doesn't make any sense anymore. It's, yeah. not, it's not the same. It's not the same sense of time and space. So you can't actually tell what's happening. And like the incident itself, Van Alhoud falling into Cash. Cash is clumsy, but it's definitely not a penalty. Yeah. And Keon gets obsessed with whether or not Cash hit the ball. Like it's irrelevant. <laughs> Which he thinks he did hit the ball. Yeah, he's absolutely certain. Of it. <laughs> yeah. But it's also just irrelevant because he didn't foul him. I think that decision could have been made quicker than it was, but I also don't really think it matters that much because, you know. Football games are stopped a lot anyway. Like yeah. How many times do you just see the camera on somebody standing next to another player who's sitting down drinking a bit of water or something? Like, you know, yeah. The game stops. Everybody has to have a bit of perspective and a bit of patience. It's 20... It's, sorry, it's about a minute out of your life to figure out whether or not Crystal Palace have a one-on-one with a goalkeeper from 12 yards. That's, it's grand. Let's yeah. just make sure we get the right decision. Sometimes it drags on a bit too much and they're looking for ridiculous things, but... It's, it's fine. The game stops all the time. But th- this is actually what I mean. I'm not even one of those boys. It's like you know, it's slowing the game down. Get on with it. Like I'm actually just thinking it's 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 the length that they're taking to make the decision. And then it's like you know, come on, like you know, we're taking the piss now. Not even like oh, Colin's sitting at home and wants to watch this match. <laughs> you know, yeah. if anything, it just extends the match window. Which yeah. I want. Like, what do you do when the match is over? You just wait for the next fucking match. Like, you know, run upstairs and put together a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. And it's a bit worrying that professional referees can't just look at that and tell whether or not it's a penalty yeah. quite quickly. Because after the... There was two angles I showed you and it was clear that Van Alhoff's just fallen into cash. Yeah. 
the referee should have been able to see that and just move on. Yeah. It's grand. I don't know what they were checking for after the fifth, sixth, seventh replay. Well, full disclosure, like I, I just went went out of the living room and a huff went up the stairs, you know, just just sort of cried it out of the net, basically. <laughs> you know, folks, like, one more, let's start again. We've been all over him or whatever. And then I was coming back down the stairs and I was, oh, you fucking hero. And I thought Martinez might have saved it. But you were actually celebrating a referee. Yeah. <laughs> a, a referee going over and looking at a monitor and not feeling like he has to change the decision. Yeah. Bang Anthony Taylor didn't like anybody questioning him. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. no, I was right. It's not a fucking penalty. Let's move on. And let's move on to Tyro Mings. Like, there's two ways of looking at it. This is, um, it's it's annoying from a Villa point of view. You know, like, come on. Like, there two yellow cards that didn't really need to be given. But they're two very avoidable yellow cards of your Tyrone Mings. Like the first one especially. When you're when you're marking Benteke and Zaha as well, you're 1-0 up already. Don't need to get involved. You don't need to grab Zaha. You've already won a free. I didn't mind it really, but that, like I actually did say to you at the time like he's going to get sent off now. I didn't think it was going to be because of that. Um and yeah, it was because of that. Like, you know, Zaha's just come inside him and he's just pushed him. Zaha's gone down very easily. And Mings has gotten done, and it's a second yellow, and he's in your main centre half is gone. It's hard to know who to be more annoyed with, with that Tyrone Mings or Anthony Taylor, because the first one, you're right, Mings shouldn't be holding Zaha for that long. Yeah. I think it was fine whenever he was trying to win the ball, but he has to let go of him once the ref's already given the free. Yeah. He's holding on to him, he's antagonising him. Then the other way to look at that is, what the fuck is Anthony Taylor doing? It's just the classic bottle job. Just I'll just book both of them and we'll get on with <laughs> yeah. it. Mings is holding his shirt. That's not a yellow card. Mm. Zaha's punching Mings' arm. That's a yellow card. And then the second one, same thing again. Anthony Tater should probably see the little nudge that Zaha gives yeah. to Mings beforehand. It's definitely a yellow card once he doesn't see that. But also, Mings should just fucking deal with that. Yeah. What's he, he gets caught under the ball. Like he has to know what's happening there. And he also let Zaha turn. And that wasn't the first time he let him turn. The first fucking minute, right, Troy just boots the ball trying to play it back to Martinez, which was a really worrying start from Troy. Jesus Christ, yeah. But then Mings, I don't know what happens to him. He just loses his feet and he fucking turns like a steamboat. He's so slow. Turns like a steamboat into a fucking torpedo behind him then. <laughs> yeah. And Zaha's just free on goal. Yeah. Zaha had Mings on toast. Had him exactly where he wanted him this afternoon. But he was also helped by Anthony Taylor. I, I, no, I'm just blaming Mings. Mings was a fucking yeah. was stupid for both of those. He should have dealt with the the second yellow card before he had the foil. That that's true. Like cause initially, I looked at it and thought that's a really bad point. God love him. And it's, it's like you're fucking main centre half again, as you say. Deal with it. Yeah, definitely deal with it. And even. I, he, he can foil Zaha there before it's a yellow card foil as well. Yeah. Like, you know, if he just bundles Andy yeah, Zaha. With the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, just, it'll just look clumsy and Taylor will play on. He doesn't have to wait for fucking Zaha to turn. <laughs> that was the only thing Crystal Palace had tonight. Can we get Zaha turned and facing goal? And, and that's why I actually think, because I think we were looking at it initially, and he was, Zaha's really aggressive. He's making a big fuss. I actually thought, Jesus, did, did McGinn kick him on the ground or something mm. the way he was going on? And then it was like, in hindsight, I'm thinking he was just trying to get Mings a yellow card because he's playing off Mings, yeah. knowing that if I get a run at him, he's going to give me another yellow card and he's off, and that's what happened. Yeah, very, very clever if I just cause some sort of scuffle here. Yeah. But maybe Mings was thinking the same thing. Maybe he just thinks, I've got Zaha here. Zaha could end up doing something stupid if I just keep holding him. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, both of them were fucking idiots. 
yeah um just finally before we move on to some whatsapp oranges which are unbelievably light today uh the bbc highlights probably the worst action replay team of all time um <laughs> like even when they got to show you the whole replay it was like why don't you why have you gone it's like when you're playing fifa and you go too far back and you're like i'll just start it from here because i can't control the <laughs> the fast forward and rewind and they were just showing the whole like build up and stuff like a lot of time from where villa cleared it from and then yeah. someone's coming down the wing and then the, the one two three four five passes goes across goals it comes back into the goals and then the chances there so that was really annoying because either a lot of times they didn't get to finish the replay or it came back off the replay and it's a corner to Crystal <laughs> Palace <laughs> or you know it's just annoying anyway because it's taking so long it's like I know where the chance is but he fucking get to that yeah yeah there was one really really stark one at the end where Crystal Palace played in across and went all the way across the box yeah. and then they played in another cross and House looks like he really dangerously headers the ball back towards his own net oh yeah and they tried to show the replay of that, but by the time they had the cut back to the match, it just shows you the overhead cross. It's like, that's what you're showing an instant replay of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I was fucking terrible. But um, another great day, and we're going to get into some WhatsApp just to celebrate. <laughs> All right, let's get straight into it. What are you doing? Yeah, and full disclosure again, because we're watching the match at the same time, both of us did exactly the same thing. Our poor mother in the background, worried about the mental health of her two sons. What a fucking goal from Anwar El Ghazi. Incredible. Absolutely the wrong thing to do. <laughs> if you're anybody but El Ghazi, obviously. If you're anybody but Anwar El Ghazi, what a fucking screamer. It was, it was absolutely incredible. Even with all the replays, looking back at it, I'm still thinking, how has he done that? Yeah. And why? <laughs> because there was so there was a few elements to Grealish has played that pass, which it looks like it's not going to make it through for Watkins. But it's a Grealish pass, so he's done it on purpose to put it through perfectly for Watkins. Yeah. Watkins didn't expect it, so it's gone away from him. Then he calms down, gets it back out to El Ghazi. And he's like, what do you do? Like you like again, Watkins could have done that. Yeah. Watkins could not have done that. <laughs> Fucking screamer. And it's like two weeks in a row now because we did the exact same thing with Ferrari. Well, I did the exact same thing with Ferrari. What do you do? Oh! The two boys who have been chastised are the heroes once again. Absolutely. It was incredible. I like it. On a season of incredible goals, that could that could very well be the, the best one. It was yeah. just absolutely brilliant. Just the audacity of it yeah. and the execution. It couldn't have been any better. It's the Ronaldo style celebration as well. Just like two fists just down, like yeah. chest out. Yeah, I think he thinks he's class, and it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, he had so much fucking time know, as well. And options. You can do anything yeah. here, Anwar. Don't do that. Oh, do that. <laughs> yeah. Take it in. Greenish is coming back on the left. Somebody will be coming from midfield. But now he just shoots. It's like a, a bad FIFA player who just fucking yeah. spikes it and sees what happens. And why not when you've got that right foot on you? Uh, second one, just before the goal. What the fuck is El Ghazi thinking? <laughs> Go on. Um, this is uh, <laughs> ended up being such a good day. Then I think it was one nil at the time, and uh, no, it was two nil. And Grealish has fed El Ghazi, who's coming across. He can see Watkins, who's coming straight off him, and all he has to do is just put it in front of Watkins. Yeah, and he he doesn't do anything. That, that's the thing that annoys me. Like Again, if you try to make do the right thing, or even if you try to do the wrong thing, run with it, yeah. or shoot. I thought he would shoot or something. 
he didn't try to do anything. He just stood there and somebody took it off him while Watkins was there going, give me the fucking ball. I'd say Watkins hates these two. Like, <laughs> there's a part of him that does hate them, but he, you can see that they're winning, so he probably doesn't care. Every centre forward who's any good hates wingers <laughs> who are also very good. Yeah. They're like, uh, sorry, they're like, I remember Carl Pilkington calling Ricky Gervais, describing him as a, an iron lung. He wishes he didn't have it, but he needs it. <laughs> and that's their centre-forward relationship with a winger. Yeah, it, it will It will eventually make make things easier for Watkins as well, because obviously most teams are setting up to control Ollie Watkins and Jack Grealish. Yeah. But if these two boys keep doing that, <laughs> they're going to have to start focusing some of their defenders on those as yeah. well, freeing up space. But that one you're talking about, yeah, he has to play that first time. He just takes a nothing touch and he just gets closed by two players immediately and yeah. the chance is gone. It was so frustrating because it was a brilliant ball from Jack and an yeah. amazing run from Watkins. And it would have been Watkins' best chance. He probably would have missed that one as well, but it would have been his best. And if straight through in goal, he would have had time. And it was, again, it was just the right thing to do. Just set it up. Um, this one I actually have stolen it from you, sitting in the background taking notes of what you're saying, shouting out at the TV. Fun doing that, actually. <laughs> Is this commentator related to Matt Target? <laughs> Had to do a deeper voice there as well to, to impersonate you. Uh, I look, Matt Target had a very good game he tonight, did, yeah. but the commentator was acting as if he was the best left back in the country. <laughs> no matter what, he, it was it's like you don't need to praise him for everything. He's uh, playing well. He's gonna do something that you can actually praise him for. Something <laughs> praiseworthy. He just he blocked a cross that was just kicked off him while he was standing still. It's like, is there anything he can't do? Yes, there's loads. A Listen to a few episodes of the Villa podcast. Then you pull out a scroll that unfolds down. <laughs> Hang on, how long he got? <laughs> yeah, like you're right. I, I, we'll, we'll get back into my target as well when we go into uh, some of the categories later. But um, very very good game. But I did notice it as well. The commentator was uh. It was very nice to him. But it just shows, like, you know, some PR as well that can be done. Some easy PR. Villa have kept fucking a lot of clean sheets now. Is that, is that four in a row? So, yeah. Yeah, four clean sheets in a row. I should have looked that up before we started. But, um, you know, so that that's immediately, like, in people's heads. Yeah. My target as you say, eight clean sheets. He's part of a defense. He's kept eight clean sheets in 13 games. Yeah. Villa are amazing. <laughs> um... <laughs> And then, like, you know, I saw some of the pictures. Like, Matt Target got interviewed during the week by the Villa website, uh, talking about uh, marking some giants like Adama Traore. <laughs> or the chatted about the myth of Traore. Go back to the Wolves podcast and listen to that one. And um, and then, like, you know, pictures of him and Matt Cash. This mm. sounds really cruel, actually. Why wouldn't they do that? He's part of the team. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know, Villa are putting up pictures of him, trying to get people to like him. <laughs> But like you know, you wonder does that stuff then go into people's? If I'm a commentator and I'm covering Villa and I haven't covered Villa before, yeah, especially working on BBC, you probably have never covered Villa. Well, that's um, the thing. I thought it was very obvious during the game that that Martin Keown hadn't seen Aston Villa play yet this yeah. year. Uh, the commentator, I think, it was the first time he's ever been exposed to them as well. And you're right, Aston Villa having eight clean sheets and Matt Targis starting every game. Yeah. You know. That sounds good, but if you watch Aston Villa, every time a team looks dangerous, I not every time, obviously, most of the time Villa look under pressure, it's down Matt Target's side. Yeah, he's not a good left back, but he had a good game tonight, so we don't <laughs> yeah. need to go into that. Yeah, we won't shit on him tonight, but it was just interesting when a commentator watched him first time, like he'll watch Villa again next year, 
Yeah. I'd be like, oh, this Target boy is a good player. I remember him. Yeah, yeah. From the Crystal Palace match where Crystal Palace were fucking dreadful. We'll get into that too. Uh, the last WhatsApp wins. Do Villa actually have a fucking squad? No. No? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this going, what a performance, what a victory. Courtney Howe scoring goals. Keeping four clean sheets. Was he playing for all the four games? Three, anyway, at least. I shouldn't be asking you this on the spot. What was the first? Kanza missed a Burnley match. What was three. Yeah, the last three, three, last three. Yeah. Um, you know, so like the, the key slipping in there. Matty Cash was obviously missing for a game. Dougie Louise was missing for a game. No, I'm saying that. They didn't. It wasn't like Elmo and Nakamba just fitted in seamlessly. Yeah. Well, Nakamba, definitely. Um, I was crying today when I saw Barkley wasn't in the squad. Yeah. Now I don't know where he gets in. <laughs> you know, well, like, I'm, I'm sorry, and El Ghazi and Terori suddenly in my head are way ahead of Trezeguet you now, considering how much shit we would have given Trezeguet. But when he came down, he was like, nah, nah, we'll play, we'll play Trezeguet. People are stepping up. Villa have a good sprinkling of good players. They've got the best player in the league and they've got a brilliant manager. Like, we've talked about this before, how shit most managers are. Yeah. If you have a game plan and it's not about kicking the ball up the field, if it's not about being aggressive, and that's it, it's in, it's amazing how easy it is for someone who thinks about the game to work out a way around that. Like, just, we've said this last week as well, the positive attitude of Dean Smith is incredible. Villa score a goal, and they try to score another goal. Yeah. There's so few managers, even at the very top level in England, that try to do that. Aston Villa are incredibly lucky to have Dean Smith. Could end up all going wrong for him, but at the minute, he's the perfect manager for this team. A team that's rising up. This is exactly what you want. You want someone that's full of positivity, both on how he speaks and how he sees the game. I feel like you're having a little needle at me there. <laughs> that was that was unintentional, but I can see why you thought that. I love Dean Smith for the record, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and like. And even, like, I just remembered you saying earlier on that Watkins is better than Abraham. So even without the squad, everything has just stepped up a level. Like, the first team is better. Like, we would have cried out for Tommy Abraham before we signed Ollie Watkins. Mm. Do you actually think Ollie Watkins is better than Abraham? Oh, yeah. I, I don't say anything without thinking about it. <laughs> oh, the, the two of us don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, Aston, Aston Villa had a really successful summer, but we know there's still huge holes in that team. Yeah. Jacob Ramsey came on tonight for what his second or third game in the Premier League yeah. as a centre midfielder he's not he's not somebody you can definitely rely on after that we're looking at either Conor Hurahan and Nakamba we know neither of them are good enough for where we want Aston Villa to get to so no they still don't have a squad mm. we definitely don't want the narrative to be out there that Aston Villa actually have a good squad because we need Aston Villa to make some purchases I was worried about that um, with Matt Target it's like of course his time in his best form for fucking January when they're going to be like you know what this is going alright let's just leave it yeah. we'll keep Matt Target the other thing to hold against Matt Target as well <laughs> is that <laughs> that should just to, be a sting to, to keep in the back of your mind he was signed under the last regime the signings we made under that regime have not been as successful yeah. as the signings we've made under this one Matt Target has a lot more to do <laughs> Matt Target had a great game tonight let's just leave it at that do you know what I don't like about Matt Target <laughs> No, I'll leave him alone. We'll get into uh, categories here. I, I burst onto the scene, didn't I? And I was going to be the next best thing 
Oh! Who, who was it that said? There was an interview somebody recently and they said that he's always positive. It was Mika Richards. Hold on, I played for England at 18. Youngest ever defender to play for England. It was Mika Richards. He was talking on Sky Sports and he said he's always positive. Sometimes you wish he wasn't as positive. Like he almost he said he was too nice. Right. What do you think, lad? I think Mika Richards should shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck has Mika Richards ever done for Aston Villa? <laughs> Dean, Dean Smith got Aston Villa promoted from 14th in the championship. Mika Richards was just there collecting 40 grand a week while that was all happening. <laughs> oh, he's just brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. The Vimin meter. Going up, and I'm glad we're starting right here, just considering where we left off there. <laughs> Matt Target, of course, he's going up, he's going down every week. Um, and in what I've described, or what I'm thinking, is, is his greatest game yet for Aston Villa. It has to be going up. Was that his greatest game yet for Villa? Yes, and I think that in itself was an indictment of Matt Target. He was, <laughs> I, I thought he was very, very solid tonight. I think it was the way Villa set up as well to tuck him inside. He played very, very close to the left centre-back. Mings in the first half and then House after that and I thought it was an interesting because Palace were trying to come in from the right wing incessantly, trying to cut inside cut inside, cut inside, so Matt Target just was able to set, sit inside waiting for them to come into the trap, yeah. it was absolutely inexplicably brain dead from Crystal Palace's right wingers and the Crystal Palace management team. He, he cut out a lot of ball, yeah um, he was in the right place a lot of the time he won a header over Benteke, now the optics of that are better than what the reality of that was. It yeah. was a bad ball that was getting away from Benteke and targets coming in from yeah. from further out where the ball was going. But to set up the goal, you know, because it's like, Jesus, like everything going right there. Sorry, it didn't set up the goal. Target headed it and Mings cleared it. Yeah. They got it back. Louise cut it out. Yeah. Like Louise cushioned it on his left foot. Oh, so well. But but even just the optics of that target getting one over Benteke, he's like you're yeah. getting bossed by target. Here we are. <laughs> maybe that, maybe that was playing in his mind then as well throughout the whole game. Because again, as you say, it's an indictment of target. There was one pass that he just played, and it was only like a 15 meter pass forward. But it was like, oh, he wasn't looking there. Mm. You know, targets getting a bit of confidence now. There wasn't another option that he saw. Yeah. You know, we normally doesn't do that. He sees one option and he wants to hit it or clear it. Um, and yeah, he didn't put a foot wrong. The one foot he did put wrong. It ended up being a really good tackle. I think it was Schlupp that was getting down to the byline. And Target has gone down and committed far too early. He's yeah. not near the byline. So Schlupp could have just ran around him. Yeah. And Target just gets his foot to it. But like it was very lucky. A lot of people call that a good tackle. It wasn't the right decision. Like that was that was, the reason it wasn't the right decision is that was real, real last eight stuff when it did not need to be last eight stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's diving in there needlessly, and if Slup has any sense, he just nicks it around them or even just stops the ball. Yeah. Like Slup had a lot, a lot more time than he gave himself credit for, and Slup's incredibly fast as well. Yeah. He can just go around that without a without a baller, but you know it worked out well for him, and it's you know, it's it's hard to hard to argue with that. Matt Target knows his own body. Maybe he knew his legs were gone, and I, for one, am willing to believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like to be honest, there was a couple of times well in the box where I actually started trusting him a bit more. You know, we see McGinn stuff coming in, like with their flailing legs, just mm. looking to trip somebody. Target just looked a bit calmer 
than some of the midfielders, which again you'd expect from your fullback. You expect it from Matt Cash, certainly. Um, yeah, he was just good. He was honest. There wasn't a part of me there tonight where it was like, oh, yeah. no, that, that again, that's a reflection on Crystal Palace as much as it is Matt Target, but his best game yet. So fair play, Matt Target, keep it up. Going up, Courtney House, um, two very good games in a row now. He obviously came in for the Wolves match as well. He's very good that game too. He's playing really well. Hasn't been under a lot of pressure, like, you know, especially on the ground. He's eating up balls in there. Um, and yeah, he got the goal obviously today and it seems like a nice fella. I loved how much the goal seemed to mean to him as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say that. The, the celebration, the look to the sky, the, yeah. the emotion in his face. Um, yeah, he was he was very, very good tonight. Very solid and he has been. We were really worried whenever Konsa was out mm. and turns out we didn't really need to be. The house has played well. He's been fine. And Aston Villa are better than most teams in the Premier League. Yeah. And a lot better. And Villa have been really comfortable over the last couple of games as well, which is just so fucking enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. And like Courtney House has been so good that he's making me dangerously question, do Villa have a good squad? <laughs> you know, I mean, he's the, the ringleader for that. Going up, Ezra Kanza. <laughs> 45 minutes, but like uh, our nephew's watching the game with us there. Probably hasn't watched Villa before. He's coming on. He's like, is this boy good? And like, yeah, he's fucking brilliant. You're going to love him. And the first thing he does, it's like one of those balls that Tyrone Mings doesn't seem to adjust his feet for. Kanza has because he's been alert the whole time, even though he's been sick over the last few days or last few games. And he just cuts it out and pirouettes away. And the two Crystal Palace players have gone around either side of him. And Kanza's just coming running out with the ball. And he did that three or four times, just coming direct out with the ball. Great touch. Just positive attitude. And I don't remember him looking under any bit of pressure today. No, I think the, the most concerned he looked whenever was whenever he was coming on. <laughs> yeah. he, he looked like he had, still had a bit of a sickly pallor. Yeah. He said, just... he's got the shits. <laughs> he's got the shits. That should have been the WhatsApp winch. <laughs> yeah, I, now maybe that just you know speaks to my negativity where I was just panicking because <laughs> we had to bring on our best centre half. Yeah. And Konza could... Like, Grealish and Konza are probably going to be the two players in world football who most benefit from the Euros being delayed because Konza could could make a late surge for this England team. He's just on a different level. He's absolutely brilliant. He's so calm, so fast, and just such a good defender that England aren't exactly tripping over themselves. They're talking about Conor Cody. Yeah. Konza's better than Conor Cody. That's it. Like, England, you can go through a big mountain of centre-halves. So a lot of people who are non-Villa fans might listen to this and be like, catch yourselves on. Like, go through the names. They're unconvincing. Maybe... No, that's that's bullshit. I was going to say maybe when you're playing in Villa. Like, we're watching Villa every week. That's the thing. So there are no errors. In it. Like, you know, he's had a good, consistent run of no errors. If you can keep that up until the summer. But, like, yeah, the, the idea of people saying you get away with it, like Henderson and Sheffield United, because we're not watching Sheffield United. Mm. We are watching Villa every week, yeah. And this guy's been brilliant, and th- and that's it. Like, and it's the th- like, you just have to think about it logically. It's the array of skills that he has. The yeah. only problem that Kansa ever had was his concentration. That is gone. Yeah, Kansa is switched on, and he even when he was playing right back after lockdown, he was on it. Yeah, and when he got moved into centre half, he's he's been absolutely flying. He's a brilliant centre half. And like Gareth Southgate obviously has a fetish for right backs as well, so that could be a, <laughs> <laughs> that could be another option for him. You know, just if he's bringing in Conza reluctantly, oh, we can play right back. Great reason. <laughs> well, I, like I, we don't need to make this decision right now, but 
at the minute, would you have him ahead of Tyrone Mings if you were picking not an England team, but like in your head, is he ahead of Tyrone Mings? Tyrone Mings has annoyed me more this season. Yeah, let's let's, let's put it like that. So is that is that what I'm on about though? Like it's it's not the same thing. Like you know, uh, a player, a United player playing a Sheffield United on loan, but the expectation we have of Tyrone Mings is way higher than Kansas. Even though Kansas hasn't made any mistakes and stuff like that, but are we more easily annoyed at Tyrone Mings because we just expect way more? No, the expectation I have for a centre half is for him to defend well <laughs> and to not make mistakes. Yeah. Tyrone Mings is only doing one of those. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to take that answer as Tyrone Mings is still ahead of Kansas. <laughs> Very slightly. <laughs> but I don't want to admit it on yeah. a day that he gets sent off. Yeah. Um, he still looked great as well when he gets sent off. Just He looked cool. He looked calm. He's where they were sat on the Hordens. He's an Adonis. We'll give him that. <laughs> yeah. uh, going up, I have three more. One, two, three, four, five, six. What a day. And obviously Jack Rooney's doesn't count because he's better than this meter. Emmy Martinez. I am so glad you said him next because <laughs> I was actually thinking during that match we're going to have to start treating Emmy Martinez the same as Jack Grealish. <laughs> yeah. He has to come off this fucking vitamin there, meter. There is. like I will have to go through it, but I actually don't remember a time where it hasn't been going up. Yeah. Like, how many times can you go up before you're at the top of the meter and you're off it? Yeah. Um, it's just brilliant. Like, how many times does he catch the ball? He just catches it all the time. It's, a, it's an absolutely ludicrous <laughs> skill. It sounds so simple, but I, I honestly, and I say, I've said this before, I've never seen a keeper that holds on to the ball no. so much. It's absolutely bonkers. Like, I think people need to start checking him before he goes out the pitch. You know, whenever the fourth official is checking for chains or checking people's studs, <laughs> then he start patting down Emmy Martinez, make sure he doesn't have glue spread all yeah. over his body. It's ridiculous. Loads of ones, even ones that seem like they bobbled off his hand, his hand's just around the other side of the yeah. ball so quickly. It's, it's hilarious. There was a free kick. It didn't look that good. It bent back in towards, towards him yeah. too much, but... We both laughed whenever he caught it because we were just like, you know, that's what Emmy Martinez does. Yeah. He just fucking catches things. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> and that, like, the glue, right? I can understand where you're getting that from. That has glue on his gloves because his hands are amazing. But it's actually, it's his positioning mm. and it's his brain. Like, he, he genuinely does seem to, to see things slower, like in slower motion than other people do. Um, and like, that, that extends to, those, there's, like, it happened the last game as well, those balls across the box. Mm-hmm. And he's just down and smothers him. Like, you know, when it looks like Mings or Kanza is about to put it in the net and it's just Martinez is all over. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's grand. And, like, again, the another reason why he's going up was that one. Was it 3-0 at the time where he made that? Or no, Benteke hit the side net. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't noticed it, but you just spotted it. Like, you know, just Martinez pat, batting the ball away. Yeah. <laughs> out of, like, just out of shot. Yeah, just after the ball hits the side net and is about to come back in from the take a quick goal kick. <laughs> yeah. He just pats it back towards the horns <laughs> and stands up and starts talking to Konza. Yeah. That was great. Lovely bit of cheek as well. Uh, but like this is going to have to become a question nobody in world football can answer. How did Emmy Martinez only play 70 games by the time he was 28? I like where where was he hiding? What was he doing? He can't have gotten this good this quickly. Especially, he was playing for fucking Arsenal. Yeah. How was he not making the Arsenal team? Uh, I don't know. Do you want to do that in questions we can't answer? <laughs> I don't want that. I can't answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know because it's not like he's improving on their villa. Like, he's come in and immediately improved villa, lifted the standards. Eight clean sheets in 13 games is a fucking joke. 
and a lot of it is down to him. Like, you go back to that Zaha chance you're talking about earlier on. Like, it's just a one-on-one. Bang, saves, done. You know, it just breaks people's hearts mm. every game. And then uh, we talked about the effect, the psychological effect of catching everything. Yeah. Those uneven psychological effect that has on Villa. And also a sort of a, a real tangible effect because he runs out with the ball then and just rolls it out left to Grealish or El Ghazi. And again, obviously, I'm not blaming the commentator for not watching Villa. You know, but he's like, he loves rushing out with the ball. It's like, yeah, because this is where Villa usually then do a lot of damage. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's a bizarre thing. But he he certainly isn't playing like somebody who doesn't have a hundred games under his belt. <laughs> yeah. like he's he's so commanding and confident, and you know tells players where to go. To, you know, calms everyone down, talks to centre halves. It's just a, I, I just I think it's it's unbelievable. It's, it's a question I can't answer. Yeah, um, it'll always remain unanswered as well. Going up, Douglas Louise. Again, going up a lot as well, like Emmy Martinez, not as much. Um, but I always feel like when when Emmy Martinez is going up, Douglas Louise is going up. But uh, Jesus, it just looks so easy for Douglas Louise there. Like it, he looked way above Crystal Palace's level. Like honestly, those boys just look like midges around him. Like you know, like flies that were just annoying him. I was like, yeah, get out of the way. Like I'm playing football. And like I mentioned, the go back and look at the start of that first goal the Villa got. Like. Some a Crystal Palace defender has headed it and it's going by Dougie Louise and he's literally caught it on his left foot, just going behind him. <laughs> like again, just that great hip flexibility and the ball sticks to his left foot, brings it onto his right, gives it to him again. Who's a really nice pass. He set Ferrari away. Um, brilliant goal, but like it all starts with Douglas Louise just doing something that you know James MacArthur can't do it. James McCarthy can't do it. Um. He's just a level above, and he's a reason the Villa at the minute are a level above. Yeah, he's a level above Milievich and MacArthur as well, who are <laughs> respected centre midfielders. Yeah. You know, the people know who they are. Like people, people have them in as their bargain basement buys yeah. in fantasy football and stuff. Their names, you know, he's just far too good for them. And at the start of this podcast series as well, we we mentioned him as an absolutely elite player because after lockdown, he was the main reason maybe Jack released because of the goals and the assists but yeah. Dougie was the, definitely a heavy contributor to Villa still being in this league and he's just continued that straight on and he's been fantastic this season again and we called him at the start of the start of this podcast here as an absolutely elite level defensive midfielder and he has done nothing to change that it's actually amazing like think about how um how natural it is now to consider Douglas Louise as such a good player and he's been so good that you actually forget that only six months ago, us and every Villa fan were like, oh, Douglas Louise is fucking improving. Mm. Like when he came back after lockdown and suddenly he was class. Yeah. But that doesn't even feature in your mind anymore because he's been so good for six months. Yeah. On the on the whole. Um, we ended a podcast that we won 3-0 in. Spent the last 10 minutes trying to figure out what we would do about Doug Lu- Douglas Louise being missing. Yeah. Like, that's how good he is. That's how important he is. <laughs> yeah. Like, Aston Villa are so much better whenever he's there because he's one of the best midfielders in the league. Finally, going up, Ollie Watkins. Um, we mentioned him a lot at the top of the show, but yeah, just he can do everything. He can win ball in the channels. He's fast. He. His intensity never drops, which is a huge thing. Like, don't underestimate that. Like, if you think of Keenan Davis, he's not the same player, but think of that. Think of even Samata. You know, Watkins just stays at that intense level. Now, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on on Monday against Chelsea, but um, you're two days apart. 
never drops, especially there tonight with 10 men. Villa dominated the match again because of him, because you can play him a type of ball, and he's smart enough to not just hold it up, to get himself into positions. That he, like, there's one time where he got it to Grealish, and it was it was really cool. He, he held it up, he backed off into Kuyati, and um, he was going right, there was nobody there, and he just came the whole way back so he could turn left, and then found Grealish, and again, you don't see that composure in a lot of a lot of players. Deserves a few more goals than he has. He's been unlucky with VAR. Probably could have put away a few more goals as well. But again, it, it doesn't matter. Um, Villa keep winning and Ollie Watkins keeps performing. Yeah, for the first goal, whenever the ball, after, as you said, Douglas Weiss took an incredible touch and John McGinn plays that incredible first-time yeah. pass. It gets to Watkins and he's, he's at the edge of the box and there's three Crystal Palace players inside him. But there's only one that's come over to him. Yeah. And whenever that develops, I just I shout it out. Just score. Yeah, yeah. Take it past them and score. Because, like, you know, they have been fucking stupid here. They've left you one-on-one with, who was it, Dan, maybe? Yeah. And it, sure enough, he just goes past them and hits a shot at the keeper. All right, keeper kind of cocks up and Trory finishes. But that's that's what I expect from Hawkins now. If he's got a defender one-on-one, do something. Go past him. Have a shot. That's how good he is. That's what I expect from him. Now. Yeah. Ice brilliant. Going down on the Vimeometer, Wilfred Zaha. <laughs> Go on. Shite. Eberichiesi. <laughs> Shite. Shite. Christian Benteke. Shite. I expected more from this fearsome trio of Crystal Palace. I was worried coming into this game. They were like the three of them individually, collectively. What were they doing? They were terrible. Like in the, like they got outplayed, they got outmatched. Zaha was just Drew a couple of fouls, bought a couple of fouls, a couple of nice step over, never went anywhere. Like, he didn't do anything. He got Ming sent off. Mm. But those three were so bad that it didn't matter. Like, that was a good play. That, that, that's a tick for Zaha from a Crystal Palace point of view, but he didn't do anything. I, I've seen Eze a few times now. He hasn't done much. Benteke has a. We know what he can do. Benteke, we know what Benteke can do for the last five years. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Benteke is shite. There was a really worrying period last year. Now, I forgive the people because we had Samagol as our uh, main centre forward. But people were talking about, would you take Benteke back? Would I fuck? <laughs> Benteke down tool five years ago. Wilfried Zaha is an interesting one. He's a player that there's a lot of these people knocking around. They're really talented and they're quite good at being a footballer. Uh, and then they'll always have one or maybe two seasons of being very good. But that's what we call a peak. Yeah. Wilfred Zaha has hit that peak. He's a winger who is now 28. Wilfred Zaha is on a downhill trajectory. The idea that, you know, Arsenal were going to spend 50, 60 million pounds on him. Go for it, lads. Like, brilliant. <laughs> that's great. That's another player we're not competing with you for. Yeah. You know, that's another winger that you should be signing. Now Villa can sign. Like, Wilfred Zaha is is not a top-level footballer. I didn't actually realise he was 28 as well. Like, it, it's incredible. And it makes me um all the more like impressed with, say, like Dean Smith, who's talking about um, Ollie Watkins. I, I, there was a whole narrative before, like, you know, that Dean Smith needs more more, more chance to have signings like, of his own. And it's like, let, let the fucking director of football do that. Let the club look after that. You know, I don't need Dean Smith doing it. And then... Ollie Watkins, he was so insistent on Ollie Watkins. I remember the the shot of him when Ollie Watkins came in and he was just like, he gave him a big high five and a hug and said, finally, 
as if he's been trying to sign him for a while and and a lot of people say he would have slagged Villa at the time, you know, oh, Brentford signing, not not just Watkins, but like, you know, these small time, maybe Jota mm. was somewhere, somewhere similar to that. But Smith has seen this boy, he knows what he can do. And to be honest, Smith has enough credit in the bank he should have with every Villa fan now that you can trust his insight when you're coming to the table for signings. Like, sorry, the reason I'm mentioning that is that Dean Smith probably wouldn't be going after Christian Menteke. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be saying, yeah, like he looks good. I'll take him with a hefty, but uh, I actually have a better option here that we could spend probably less money on. Yeah. I, yeah. If anybody's spending 28 million on Christian Benteke now, they'd want to be fired immediately. <laughs> uh, but no, Ollie Watkins is, is a brilliant player. And it's a strange thing that people get caught up in whether or not players are good or not. I remember Stephen Kenny mentioned it about Jack Grealish whenever he was 17. It doesn't take a genius to take out that Jack Grealish was a good player. Yeah. It doesn't take a genius to work out whether or not anybody's a good player. You can just tell yeah. by watching them. And good players will always have the same sort of skill set depending on their position. And they'll just have things that they have to iron out of their game. Yeah. But they'll always have the right mentality. They'll have the right technical ability. And they'll be doing the right things constantly. They might be fucking it up. They might be low in confidence. Small things like that. But you can just tell whether or not somebody's actually fucking good. And this is actually, you mentioned about Dean Smith's positivity being around this team and the improvement of them. When you've got a good player or you know exactly what you want from that player. So this is, this is the thing about Ollie Watkins is that it might not necessarily matter to him that he's not scoring goals because Dean Smith is, is, is positive enough. He's bright enough and Ollie Watkins seems bright enough that I'd say Smith is including him in all these conversations. Like, you know, you're doing exactly what I need you to do and want you to do. And even without scoring goals, Watkins will be developing a lot of confidence from that Like because Smith is so clear in what he wants actually like again i'm never going to reference the samata interview again but <laughs> it's doing well to get two <laughs> references but i'm very impressed with like smith i don't know what i expect of him uh but samata said that smith his words were he was crystal clear and that i wasn't going to play you know when he said you can stay around if you want but i want watkins in because i know what i want from him mm. Um, and you're going to get less and less opportunities. And this was before Smith had even seen Watkins play in the Premier League yeah. to play for Aston Villa. Like I say, it doesn't take a genius to work out a good player. Yeah, that's it. Um, the Udek Glenn Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award. Probably has an age, Will. Taking Bertrand Trorori off. <laughs> no, that has not fucking aged well, has it? <laughs> fucking pissed off when I saw that happen. You were really annoyed. I was just thinking, I was trying to be a bit more analytical about it. I was, you know, had my two fingers up <laughs> over my lips towards my chin thinking, I trust Smith here. So, <laughs> it, could Troy play in a 4 4 one you're like, I don't care, he's any player that's fucking playing. <laughs> it was also because El Ghazi hadn't done anything the first half, so it was like, what is it like? What's the thinking behind this? Like, Trori, can he play in a four-four-one? We've seen him do like well tracking back, and uh, it's all the highlights of the game we were just being hit with. Then at halftime, it was mm. like it was Trori who was breaking through or or playing that nice pass to Grealish. Oh, would have been a great goal—the one that Grealish cut across oh, onto his left. Um, under a lot of pressure, you know. And I was like, that's exactly what we're going to need now in the second half. Turns out it wasn't. Uh, no, what we needed was somebody to have a stupid shot from a ridiculous angle that was flying into the top <laughs> yeah. corner. I'm sure Bertrand Drury would have tried that as well. <laughs> yeah. No, Drury caught himself unbelievably unlucky because he was class before he got taken off. He was so dangerous. Yeah. He was just the perfect player again to be hammering a shit Crystal Palace team. 
yeah, really, really unlucky. But Smith has seen and has played El Ghazi on the the on the left or the right of a flat bank of four or five midfielders before. So yeah. he, he definitely knew that he could do that. He's still probably figuring out exactly what Troy can and can't do. It was the less risky move. We were already one nil up. What do you want? Like Scranton worked out pretty fucking well. The Tim Sherwood we played two number tens and bamboozled them award. Taking Bertrand Terori off. <laughs> well, it fucking bamboozled you anyway. <laughs> a ballsy call from the manager. He's got the right call again, and he's taking the right man off. Kept the right man on. I can't. You know, what can I say? Dean Smith has nailed it. Brilliant decision. I would have done the same thing. Um, yeah. No, but you're right. Like I was actually. Do you know what? Well, let's go back to the Vimeo meter. I meant to include Bertrand Ferrari because even though he was fucking amazing the last game, I think that was his best game so far. Everything he did was incisive. They couldn't handle him. They didn't want to hit off the post. It was ridiculous. Again, Watkins down the channel holds it up, gets it back to Ferrari, who's two men to beat. It's just so aggressive with his touch and with his his body, just elbowing his way in. Players coming towards him, gets the shot away like he, like he does, whips it round, hits the post. Like that was one of the best forty five minutes that I've seen in a long time from a Villa winger. Um, yeah, so he's definitely going up the vitamin meter as well. There's seven players going up. Yeah, he was he was absolutely brilliant. Even just his carrying it out from defence, the level of calmness he had. There was one where there was two of us were grimacing because he was carrying it across the centre yeah. of midfield. Kept going, kept he just going. kept going, kept going, and eventually whipped it out the target. Yeah. But like, ah, no, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. I was wondering as well is like, yeah, you, you said Smith's trying to work out, you know, Ferrari. I was wondering, Ferrari seems a bit more of a, a sort of what you like in your wingers, like not a wild card, but just a centric. Do you know what I wonder? Is say El Ghazi, he's more easily coached, especially he's been there longer. And he was over at that wing where the dugout was for the second half. And I was just wondering if we we're going to have somebody on the wing now doing what we need him to do in attack and defence, would I rather it be El Ghazi or Trori? Maybe that's what was going through. Because yeah. it did take your time with the decision as well. Remember how how much Villa were sitting back to, during the lock, during the post-lockdown period yeah. last season. El Ghazi would have been in those training sessions where Villa were playing 4-5-1. Yeah. Trory hasn't been because this season Villa have just been strangling <laughs> yeah, and destroying yeah. teams. That's a good point. So El Ghazi has been been coaxed by Smith to play that system. He hasn't had to do it with Trory yet, and he fucking won't need to because Villa are class. Yeah, and one thing that I've taken off the the Ulek Glen Whelan take a ninetieth minute penalty award nomination list is uh, John McGinn playing centre half because um, <laughs> <laughs> as it transpires, they were playing him there for for way longer than they should have, but well, that's what I thought at the time. But they were obviously having a discussion. Who should we take off? El Ghazi or Trory? Yeah. They didn't rush into it. They had a good chat about it. Made the right decision. I'll accept it. Yeah, they made the right decision. And, you know, Trory had already scored his goal. So they knew if they kept El Ghazi on the pitch, he was going to get his customary goal. <laughs> Maybe they also knew if we take El Ghazi off before half time, he's finished. We got the old El Ghazi back. <laughs> he's, ne- <laughs> he's never going to recover from his confidence considering he's done fuck all in the first half. Like, to be fair, El Ghazi had two chances in the first half and uh, the Palace keeper did incredibly well to get off his line and smaller than quite quickly. El Ghazi wasn't quite as anonymous as you, you're making out, but Shorey was definitely by far the best player on the pitch. So it was, it was a, it seemed like a crazy decision until you had a split second to think about it. Yeah, and they, they took a few minutes to think about it. Whilst, just a reminder, John McGinn <laughs> was playing centre-half on Christian Bente. <laughs> His arse is going to be under pressure for the next couple of minutes. 
Uh, questions we can't answer, but probably will. What are Crystal Palace doing? What, like, what are they doing? That was terrible. What was their plan? It was fucking awful. Crystal Palace were dreadful, but just add them to the long list of absolutely shit teams in the Premier League. <laughs> and this was the thing that was so frustrating about Aston Villa's season last year, it was that I knew the Premier League was full of shitbags. <laughs> yeah. I saw that Aston Villa team, last year's Aston Villa team, with you know, not nowhere near as many good players, and just and just couldn't couldn't believe the Villa were losing to them. Yeah. And I know it was a lot of individual errors, but because because it was individual errors that were beating a very, very average Aston Villa team. I knew the Premier League was shit. Yeah. Premier League has got a lot of shit teams in them, and Crystal Palace are one of them. And that's it. And like that—that's the heartening thing. Like, like Arsenal are on that list. <laughs> you know, where when we were saying, <laughs> "Thank God Villa just went and took care of them with minimum fuss." Yeah. Like that's four three nils that Villa have, which is. I used to say the two 0 was my favorite result because it always just suggested that you were comfortable throughout the game. Um, three 0 now is the new two 0 I think, especially in, in this world of football. Um, like just. Just disposing of teams with ease and not being under pressure at the back. And Crystal Palace, even when Villa had 10, they had an extra man for most of the game. And they look like Liverpool, who were five goals down against Villa and just thought, like, let's just try and get a fucking goal back, which was obviously a terrible decision, rather than just, like, let's, let's minimise yeah. the damage here. And, you know, Villa was getting chance after chance after chance, even though they were giving Liverpool chance after chance. So the difference was there. Crystal Palace were getting no chance. Yeah. And it was just loads of space with an extra man all game. Yeah, the Villa played a, a whole half and a little bit extra with only ten men, and there was no stage of that game where Aston Villa weren't comfortably the better team. Yeah. Not, when Villa weren't comfortable, even yeah, Crystal Palace <laughs> fucking dreadful. <laughs> and it's funny to think, imagine being a Palace fan tonight. How, how confusing must that be? I know they they probably looked at the table. They've seen the Liverpool result. They probably, you know, suspected that Villa were a good team. They know who Jack Grealish are. But imagine how disheartening it is to go out and just get destroyed 3-0 yeah. by Aston Villa for a, a team that they probably think that they're better than. What a fucking reality check. Yeah. So we don't know what they were doing. Is this is the answer to that question? They were doing nothing. They were doing nothing is right. Um, the camera was on Roy Hodgson more than it was on Crystal Palace players because they offered nothing. Um, how much better would Villa be doing with a crowd? And I, I, I was thinking this when it was 1-0, before the man got sent off. 1-0 up, Villa were hammering them, and they had a few big chances, a few opportunities to create more chances. And I was like, again, the Villa Park crowd hasn't experienced this Villa team yet. Mm. Who, I think tonight it was 20-something attempts against Burnley, it was 30-something. Um, do you know, like, that gets the crowd going. Like, normally it's just, well, for a while it has been a bad Villa team who weren't cutting and you know they weren't getting the fans off their seats and giving them something to shout about. Now Villa are going up against a lot of teams and then they're getting more chances and more chances because the way Dean Smith wants them to play. And I think that would just destroy an away team and I think it would just keep Villa going. Not that it really matters because he's still winning anyway. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not completely convinced by that. Uh, like Villa Park is the best place in the world whenever Villa are playing well. Yeah. But if Villa are not playing well, even for 20 seconds, the Villa Park crowd is unforgiving and can become quite anxious. No crowd being there is an unbelievable equaliser. It takes away a huge, hugely important element of football, which is momentum and pressure. 
whenever that's not there, it just comes down to who's got Jack Grealish and who's got Dean Smith. <laughs> and that really makes Villa a lot better. Like Essentially, you know, it's just who's got the better players and who's got the better managers. Villa have Jack Grealish, so they've definitely got a massive upper hand over all these yeah. shit teams. And then you're pitting Dean Smith against Roy Hodgson with no outside interference. Yeah. <laughs> Aston Villa are going to win that game 3-0. Apart from time. Mike Dean every so often. Apart from whenever Mike Dean wants to put his big fucking head into it. But do you know what's an unbelievable equaliser as well? That would help Villa through the momentum that big crowds bring? Emmy Martinez. Squash any momentum going against Aston Villa with his big glue hands. <laughs> <laughs> and then every time he's running out to the left hand side of the box get the crowd going again get the crowd going hold down sucking in do you want Anwar El Ghazi receiving the ball at his feet with a crowd getting excited no 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 crowd you're right <laughs> start the campaign keep it at tier 5 <laughs> um, tier 4 is it in England I think I'm using Irish tiers will Ross Berkeley ever get back into this team <laughs> <laughs> well this comes back to your question about do Villa have a squad I know I give a definite no to that but El Ghazi, El Ghazi has been really important to Villa in the past he's been brilliant Terori is starting to come really 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 strongly in the last couple of games and now we've got Barkley as well as, as a third option for those positions yeah. for those attacking positions Will he get back? He's definitely better than El Ghazi and Atrori. I mean, the two lads have been brilliant, but remember how good Barkley was as well, how important he was to, to Villa's style of play. Villa have slightly adapted the position, so maybe Barkley being out has freed up Grealish. Grealish is now playing through the middle. Will he get back in because of that? That might actually be a bigger a bigger challenge for him than Atrori and El Ghazi are. The fact that Grealish can play in the middle whenever Barkley's not yeah. there. Like he's definitely getting back in. It's just you're right. Like that just gives Grealish an, another option. I think I said I'm sort of disguising that as if I don't care. I'm not trying to take credit. Mm. But I said this before. I think I said this before. But uh, Grealish sometimes would be better with two wingers. You know, just even for runs to take all our players away that are just occupying defenders, and it gives him a bit more space in dangerous areas. But him and, him and Barkley will figure it out because Barkley's coming back in. I, I said this before as well. Like Against these shit teams, Barkley not being there is, is a blessing in disguise because Villa are playing with somebody on the left wing then. Yeah. So whenever it's Grealish and Target, they're playing with nobody on the left wing because Grealish is just coming inside and doing his own thing, which we want. But you need a fullback there as well. And whenever it's Target, yeah. there isn't a fullback there. There isn't. But we're not going to end it on a bad note. We're going to celebrate this one. Another 3-0 victory. Another three points. Villa are now fifth in the table. Uh, and they've got they're three points behind Leicester City with two games in hand. Leicester City are in second place. They are two points behind United, who are in third, with one game in hand over them. So actually second place is still in their hands. Actually, if they win their two games, no, they've only got one game in hand over Liverpool. So they're, they're going to be behind Liverpool come what may. Well, um, come until we play them again whenever we beat them 7 <laughs> 2. <laughs> Which is in April. I played them in the FA Cup, obviously, in January. But think, fuck, we don't have to play Liverpool <laughs> until April. Um, Chelsea next on Monday. It's going to be a big test. Traore has 45 minutes of rest under his belt. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing to be uh, thankful for. Tyro Mings will be out. Doesn't matter. we got Courtney House. We've got Ezra Konza. We've got our villa back. We're up and running. 13 games. 
Eight wins, one draw, 27 goals. Enjoy it. You deserve it. Merry Christmas. That wind is calling my name And I won't wait Or I'll never get on Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.